Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Clips Combo Show. I'm your host, Joey Lynn, and we are coming to you live on a Tuesday. Uh, like I said on my last episode, I used to kind of try to run every single Monday, but at least for now, until the end of the regular season, it just makes more sense to record when it's most relevant as opposed to just shooting for a specific day of the week because I was actually going to record yesterday, but there were no NBA games. We didn't have any real major developments in between my last episode and yesterday, so I figured I would wait until today because I knew the Clippers practiced this morning, and I figured we would have at least something to talk about from practice, and we have quite a bit to talk about from practice as I anticipated. I'm just going to start right with the major headline right now, which is the Lakers game coming up tomorrow. I'm sure that's what you guys are all tuned in for, um, what all you guys want to hear my thoughts on, because that is uh, the story really of the NBA right now. Of course, there's a lot of different big games going on around the league at this time of the year. There's so much on the line in terms of seeding and potential playoff matchups and things of that nature. But uh, tomorrow's game between the Clippers and Lakers is arguably the biggest game of the season, not just for those two teams, but really for anybody. This is uh, a lot on the line for two teams that are in the same city, in the same building, and really the sentiment that's kind of been echoed uh, throughout the team and throughout the fan base and throughout the media is that this is probably the biggest game that the Lakers and Clippers have ever played against each other. So, I mean, with all of that being on the line, uh, there really does seem to be a, a renewed energy in the air, just with the fan base. And like I said, around the team as well. So we're definitely going to talk about that. I wanted to dive into that first, because like I said, that's probably what so many of you are tuned in for because uh, it's a little bit of a big deal. And obviously we have the rust dynamic as well, which we're going to get into as we move on uh, a little bit later down the line. So just looking ahead at this game, like I said, it, it was talked about at practice quite a bit today. Uh, the Lakers are playing the Utah Jazz tonight. The Jazz are pretty much resting everybody. Markinen is not going to play. Kessler's done for the year. Um, I think they said Colin Sexton is going to play, but they're going to be pretty shorthanded in this game. I think the Jazz are kind of accepting that they're going to be one of those teams on the outside of the play-in tournament. They're going to accept their lottery pick and just uh, chalk it up to a good developmental year for them, but I don't anticipate Utah being all that locked in on trying to win this game. So assuming the Lakers take care of business, they will enter tomorrow's game with the Clippers having identical records. The Clippers and the Lakers, assuming the Lakers take care of business tonight, will have identical records heading into tomorrow's showdown. And well, that's significant for a lot of reasons. One, because Obviously, anytime these two teams face off, there's going to be an extra level of intrigue. But when these two teams face off with seeding on the line, and it's not just seeding, 
but the possibility of one team falling into the play-in tournament, that is just a level of significance that I don't think we've ever seen when these two teams play each other. Because really, for the majority of NBA history, the Lakers and the Clippers haven't been good at the same time. And while neither of them are really dominant right now in terms of where they sit in the standings, they are both hopeful championship contenders who are likely going to enter this game with identical records. So that's something certainly that has everybody's eye on this game. Because, I mean, you think about, obviously, until the Clippers entered the Lob City era, they were just terrible. Of course, there was that one brief little period in the mid-2000s in 06 where thinking, okay, maybe we're going to get a series. It didn't happen. But then the Clippers went back to being horrible. The Lakers went back to winning championships. And then by the time Lob City rolled around, the Lakers were horrible. And the Clippers were the team that was consistently beating down on the Lakers and was consistently in the playoffs and consistently had championship hopes. And then, of course, when Kawhi came to L.A., LeBron was already here. And then you had that brief little period again where you thought, okay, maybe these two teams will be good at the same time, face off in the playoffs. And the Clippers choked and we missed out on that series. And that's something uh, Ivica Zubats talked about at practice today. So we've never given fans that series that, they all expected us to have. This is about as close as, as it's gotten to this point. And I agree with him. It really does feel that way. It's going to be a playoff atmosphere, no doubt. So that's the overlook when it gets down to the details of this Lakers versus Clippers game. Just kind of the broad overlook when you're considering the overall impact. But when you dive into it a little bit further, there are some underlying storylines to look at as well some other games within the game that fans are looking towards and well of course the biggest one is Russell Westbrook this is going to be the first time that Russ has faced the Lakers since being traded we all know how his time went with the Lakers it did not go well it was um, a partnership that really unfortunately didn't work out for Russ because it was one of those things that obviously he was excited about. His fans were excited about. He gets to come back home. He gets to be in LA, be on a contender. And for several different reasons, it just didn't work out. And there's been a lot said about Russ um, during his time there. There's been a lot said about Russ since leaving. And I think his teammates who love him, and I've highlighted that pretty uh, extensively since Russ has been with the Clippers, they want to help him out. They want this, obviously, for them and for the seeding purposes, but they want this for him as well. And that's something that Norman Powell talked about today at practice. He said, anytime that you're playing your former team, you want to stick it to him a little bit. And Zoo said the same thing. He said, but, and this was Norm speaking, he said, but we know what's been said about Russ. He said, we know what's been said about him in the media. We know what's been said about him and his time there. And he said, it's a big game. It's a big game, not only for us in the standings, but it's a big game for him as well. And I don't think that's something that can be ignored. You can't just overlook that. And while I don't expect Russ to change his approach, because that's something that Ty Lu talked about, he has the same approach every single day, every single game, regardless of who the Clippers are playing. Uh, you can't ignore this giant element, this giant game within the game that we're looking at tomorrow with Russ facing the Lakers for the first time since being traded. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on. And it's one of those underlying storylines that I talked about, but there's also a lot of other storylines to look at when you're talking strategy and you're talking how these two teams match up, because it's not just the drama element, right? Like there's actually a basketball game to be played 
And that alone carries its own storylines. Who's, you know, going to guard Kawhi? Who's going to guard LeBron? Who's going to guard AD? Who's going to, you know, are they going to double AD? Are they going to double LeBron? Like these are all things to look at and all things that fans will be looking out for as well. It's just, it's one of the great things about basketball really is that, well, at the end of the day, all that matters is the final score. There's so much that goes into getting to that point and so many things that fans hype up and look for before the game even starts. And that's partially what makes this Clippers-Lakers game so exciting because there's just so much of that. So when you talk about some of these things and some of these uh, strategical moves that these two head coaches may or may not make, one of the biggest ones, and it's hilarious because ever since AD came to the Lakers, the whole thing has been who's going to guard AD? Who's going to guard AD? Like That's the thing that the Lakers fans say every single time you even hear Anthony Davis get his name brought up. It's like, okay, well, who's going to guard him? And it's funny because nobody can stop AD, right? He He's a dominant, dominant talent. And even if he's not the exact same dude that he was, the exact same athlete that he was in New Orleans, you see what he's doing right now, especially since they got Braun back and since they've kind of figured out the way they want to play. He is dominating right now, and they are playing through him, and they are winning through him. So he is a dominant player, no doubt. But it's funny to hear Anthony Davis talked about in this way because it's similar to what's said about Luka, what's said about Steph, KD, other stars in the league where it's like, okay, nobody's going to stop them. Nobody's going to stop Luka. Nobody's going to stop Steph. Nobody's going to stop KD, but there's a reason why all of those players are not undefeated in the playoffs. All of those guys have had success, varying levels of success. Of course, Steph having the most, and I'm just using those guys as, as random examples, just the stars that come to mind off the top of my head. But it's so funny to see the way that AD is talked about sometimes by Lakers fans, because while he's a champion, while he has accomplished a ton in the league is going to be a Hall of Famer, no doubt. There's a reason why one player doesn't just guarantee a win because there's so much else that goes into the game of basketball to where even if AD gets 50, in the same way that Luka has gotten 50 and lost against the Clippers, Curry just got 50 and lost against the Clippers, it doesn't guarantee a win. So when people throw this around, it's almost like this ultimate trump card where it's like, okay, yeah, I don't care you got Kawhi. You know, I don't care you got Russ. I don't care if even if you had PG. Who's going to guard AD? And it's like, okay, yeah, AD's a beast, but it's not like this guaranteed win in the same way that you know Lakers fans try to make it sound. And I don't want to get too far in a fan narratives because, I mean, that is what that is. I mean, you guys have heard enough of that. You don't need me to bring it up. But AD is going to get his. He has gotten his against the Clippers at times, although they have guarded him better than other teams have. And I think that's something that the Clippers are okay with. Could you lose that way? Absolutely. But I think the Clippers are content with allowing Big Zoo to guard AD straight up because that's what Ty Lue said the game plan was going to be. Whether or not he was being entirely honest, I guess we'll see. But as of right now, it seems that the game plan is for Big Zoo to guard AD one-on-one. Hopefully he doesn't get into foul trouble, which is certainly a concern and the Clippers will live with the results because what becomes a little bit problematic, especially with this Lakers team having more weapons than they had prior to the trade deadline is that if you sell out on a guy like Anthony Davis and you throw two bodies at him immediately, 
You have a top two playmaker of all time, in my opinion, LeBron James, out there on the court. So if he's getting the ball in single coverage and he's getting the ball and making decisions when AD's doubled, now he has an opportunity to either make plays for himself and others, and they got more offensive weapons now with we don't know exactly what's going on with D'Lo, but he's been in the mix. Of course, Beasley is a shooter. Uh, Hachimura is a guy who hasn't been firmly in the rotation, but he's another weapon. Vando is, of course, known as a defensive guy, but he's an athlete, and you don't want him, you don't want to forget about him underneath the basket. There are now options that the Lakers have that they didn't have the last time the Clippers saw them. So while some people are freaking out about, oh, single coverage AD is going to kill you, okay, maybe he does. Maybe he does. But as we've seen with Luka, as we've seen with Steph, as we've seen with other stars, the Clippers have oftentimes opted to be okay with superstar talents getting theirs. And of course, you don't give it up willingly, but you let them go one-on-one and you make sure that you don't allow their attention, their gravity to get everybody else going. Because that's when you could really get in trouble. And we've seen it against the Mavs when you sell out on Luka. Now THJ gets going. Now some of these other guys get going. Now you're really in trouble because you're already not going to stop Luka. But now you got the other guys going and it's a problem. So while I understand some of the concern with Zoom maybe getting in foul trouble trying to guard AD one-on-one, and yes, that certainly could happen. Zoo is prone to fouling. and He doesn't get a good whistle as well. So that's that's a potential concern. I understand why the Clippers would want to go this route. Because if you sell out on AD, and like I said, now you let Braun get going, now you let some of the other guys get going, you will probably have a bigger problem on your hands than if you are to just guard AD straight up, let him do what he's going to do, and let the chips fall where they fall after that. So that's one of the biggest in-game adjustments to look at, one of the strategical things that was brought up at practice here today. And it's funny because I tweeted that out, that Ty said that, and I have like 100 quote tweets right now of Lakers fans saying it's going to be barbecue chicken. And okay, maybe it will be, but... I still think people aren't respecting Zoo enough because while nobody can stop AD, Zoo is a very good interior defender. A very good interior defender. One of the best in the league. And while that doesn't mean he's going to lock up Anthony Davis, I don't think Zoo should be looked at as a guy who is completely incapable of holding his own against elite offensive talents down low. Um, I anticipate AD is going to have an AD-like game, he's playing too good right now to not. But I think Zoo has a chance to do a better job on him than some of the other centers that AD has been playing against over the last week. We'll have to wait and see what happens, but I don't think Zoo is barbecue chicken in the same way that a lot of people think that he is. He covers for a lot defensively on this Clippers team. I think it's another thing that people don't really understand is that the Clippers have such poor perimeter defense from their guards with Norm and with Bones and obviously with John when he was here, Reggie when he was here, that so often Zoo is having to stay attached to his man down low and still protect the rim against the guards that are getting downhill and just burning past the lack of resistance that the Clippers have on the perimeter. So there's a lot that Zoo covers for uh, when it comes to his role on this Clippers defense. So I think a lot of times fans just don't really understand what it is that he does out there because he he really does a lot for this team and he's going to be big tomorrow. So that's the zoo thing because I had to bring that up because so many fans were talking about it on Twitter. Uh, But the other thing that fans are talking about on Twitter, I posted it (laughs) 
uh, when I was at practice this morning is that Marcus Morris is back in the building. Uh, I talked about on my last podcast episode that I would be surprised if we saw him again this season. Um, But now with him being back in the mix, I'm not sure how much of a surprise it would be anymore if he found his way onto the court tomorrow. Now, I don't know that. That's not source. That's not based upon anything other than my gut feeling. But if you would ask me a week ago, and this is already documented on my podcast, so you don't have to ask me. You can just go back and listen to my thoughts. If I anticipated Marcus Morris to be on the floor again for the Clippers this season, I would have, and I did say no on my podcast. I said I would be surprised if we saw him again on the floor this season. But he was back in the mix, so that's already a, a step in the right direction, or I guess <laughs> I guess the right or wrong direction is determined how you feel about the situation. But when you're talking about him getting back onto the court, of course he has to be present and with the team in order to do that. And he is now back with the team. And out of health and safety, which they, you know, that whole situation was kind of confusing, but he's out of health and safety now. He was at practice today. He participated in practice today. He's expected to be available tomorrow. And like I said, last week, I would have been very surprised if you would have told me Marcus was going to be back on the floor at any point in the regular season. But based upon what I saw today, I would be significantly less surprised if he got in the game tomorrow for a couple of reasons. The first and make of this what you wish, it could be something, it could be nothing, but Marcus Morris was wearing the starter's practice jersey today at practice. The Clippers start, when they practice, they got the reserves wearing gray and the starters wearing black. And sometimes it kind of gets confused with fans because like they'll see pictures from the Clippers' social media account and like Rocco will be wearing a black shirt. Um, some of these other guys will be wearing like black shirts. Um, but that's different from a black practice jersey. The practice jersey has a number on it and it has clippers across the chest, just like their regular jerseys, but it's just a black practice jersey. A black t-shirt is different. That's usually what we see Rocco in. And fans are like, oh, Rocco in black. It's like, no, he's not. That's that's not what it is. It's different. And I'm actually looking at the pictures that the Clippers posted on Twitter, and, and I saw it myself anyways. Um, but these practice photos, you see it right there. Marcus is standing right next to Kawhi, and he's wearing the black practice jersey, the black starters practice jersey. And you see Norman Bones wearing gray. I see Mason in the back wearing gray. And I'm trying to zoom in on Nico, but I just see the side of his head. And I don't think you can see what color he was wearing. I didn't see Nico at practice, so I can't really say. Um, But we'll see. We will see what happens because uh, that usually means that a guy's starting. But it could also mean, like, like I said, this is just me guessing. I don't know if this is something that they do. But... I suppose there is the possibility that maybe Morris and some of like the third string guys will wear black. I've never seen that, but I'm just speculating on what another potential meaning of that could be because, um, yeah, usually black means starter. That's all. That's all I know. Like that. I just, I, I don't really know anything else. Like I haven't had anybody told me that Marcus is starting. 
Um, but here he is. You guys can go to the Clippers Twitter account. He's standing right next to Kawhi wearing the starters practice jersey. So I don't know. We'll see. It, it'll be interesting. I'm very interested to see what happens with the starting lineup tomorrow because Ty said that Nico was going to be the starting four going forward for the rest of the season. That was the question. Is is Batum your starting four for the rest of the season? And Ty said yes. So if he reverts back and now Marcus is in the mix again as the starter, like that would be crazy to me. But I, I don't think it's completely out of the mix now in the same way I would have felt that it, it was a week ago. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. But I mentioned there were a couple reasons why I wouldn't be surprised to see Marcus back in the rotation. That was the first because I saw him at practice today and I saw him in the starters jersey. But the second reason is because we have seen all season long certain players have had incredibly short leases with Ty Lue. One of those guys is Robert Covington. Robert Covington, two games ago, dropped 27 points. Or was it three games ago? I think it was three games ago. I, I can barely remember anything at this point, you guys. It, it, at this point in the season, I, I'm so washed. Like, it's not even funny. I, with I, Everything we've had going on this year, I can barely remember what I ate for dinner last night. I'm going to double check it right now so I give you guys accurate information. Three games ago. Three games ago, Robert Covington had 27 points. He went 9 of 10 from the field, 7 of 7 from deep, and was a plus 11 in a win over the Grizzlies. Now, I was very surprised to see the next game after that Rocco masterclass where he was dominant. They're playing the Grizzlies again. The same team that they just played and the same team that Rocco was just dominant against. And he only played three minutes in the first half of that game, the next game. So after he drops 27 on a perfect seven of seven from deep, he only played three minutes in the first half of the next game. And he ended up playing 17, I believe it was, in the second half. I'm pulling it up right now. He played 17 in the second half, but a lot of that was garbage time because the game was kind of out of hand towards the end. Those weren't real minutes. Uh, but him only playing three in the first half, which was fewer than anybody else played that actually got in the game, you know, was surprising to me because Norm played 10, and that was alongside some small groups with Bones, with Terrence, with Russ, with Eric. And so I was like, all right, this is the time where Rocco would make sense, right? We just didn't see it. So that was that game against Memphis. And then the next game, Rocco only played, let me pull it back up again, 16 minutes in total. And he went, only scored four points, went one of four from the field, one of three from deep with a minus 13, fouled three times, uh, turned the ball over one. So it, it wasn't a good game for him. But what's been tough for Rocco all season long is that he'll go several games in a row of getting DMPs, right? Like he won't see the floor. And then he'll finally get an opportunity. He'll play well, which will earn him limited minutes in the next game. But it's like if he doesn't keep killing it every single game, if he doesn't go seven for seven every single game, he kind of falls slowly back out of the rotation. And then it could get 20 minutes. All right, now 16 minutes. Oh, and then Rocco's back to DMPs again. 
it's been like that all year for him where his leash has just been so incredibly short that it would not surprise me entering this game against the Lakers if Roko was back out of the rotation. Because while it was in very limited minutes against Memphis, he didn't have a great game in that second game. And then again, only 16 minutes against the Pelicans, he wasn't great in those minutes either. So now you're just three games removed from a 27-point masterclass where he played 32 minutes, was a plus 11, was just absolutely dominant, and he now could be back out of the rotation again in favor of Marcus. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying that my intuition tells me it's a possibility. We will have to wait and see. I don't know anything. Nobody has told me anything. That is just me following the trends of this season and going strictly off of five because that's all I really have for you right now. So that is two reasons why I would not be surprised if Marcus Morris started tomorrow. That would be a little bit more surprising because Ty straight up said Nico was going to be the starter, but I saw him in the starter's jersey. And two, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if even if Nico starts, if Morris comes off the bench and gets those backup four minutes. So we will have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, that is the Marcus Morris situation. He is back in the mix. And now I have gone from being very surprised if he plays to now I'd probably be surprised if he doesn't. But hey, we'll see. Anyways, back to the Lakers game. Back on focus now. Um, obviously, you got, I had to hit on the, the Marcus thing. I had to hit on, on the Russ dynamic. But there's one more major dynamic at play when looking at this Lakers game. And it's very funny because whenever I already talked about the who's going to guard AD thing, right? Like, who's going to guard AD? Who's going to guard AD? I don't care if you have, and this is me being sarcastic with the way the Lakers fans talk, but it's like, I don't care if you have Steph. I don't care if you have KD. I don't care if you have this guy. I don't care if you have that guy. Who's going to guard AD? And like I said, a lot of the times the answer is nobody. Nobody's going to guard that dude. He's a beast. He's a monster. He is killing right now. But the Clippers have a guy named Kawhi Leonard who struggled his last couple of games. Of course, the Memphis game was weird because he sat the second half and you know had that whole situation going on, and then he wasn't great against – well, no. Okay, he was great against the Pelicans. Let me correct myself there. He was dominant against the Pelicans. He started out a little bit slow, and fans are like, all right, what's going on with Kawhi? He just kind of sat this last game – and then now, you know, he's, he's coming out the gate a little bit sloppy, a little bit slow. Dude, he turned it on, man. He turned it on in that game. And I'm going to pull it up because I want to get the actual specific breakdown from him. I know he had 40, but I want to see how he got his 40 because it was one of those situations where it's like, all right, what's going on with him? First quarter, he was one for six. He was one for six from the field, 0 of two from deep. And he was still rebounding, still distributing, but it's like, all right, dude, like Kawhi, we need you here, man. Like you just rested the second half of the last game. We need you here. And then the second quarter, he wakes up a little bit. Three of five in the second quarter. And then the third quarter, five of seven. Oh, he's really waking up now. Five of seven, 14 points in the third. And the fourth quarter, he goes six of 10, 14 points again in the fourth. That second half was crazy. He had 28 points in the second half, 28 of his 40 in the second half. So he wasn't, the, the Memphis game was weird because he wasn't there in the second half. And then he comes out slow in the Pelicans game. You're like, all right, what's going on? And then boom, he just flips the switch and starts going crazy. And unfortunately it wasn't enough. Uh, the Clippers couldn't get any stops. Uh, they didn't have a whole lot of help outside of Russ and Kawhi. 
But back to the Lakers game, and the reason why I bring Kawhi up is that in the same way that Lakers fans say, who's going to guard AD? Man, who's going to guard Kawhi? Because, I mean, obviously Kawhi is not perfect, right? Like, he's had bad games, but, man, he's been on a tear over the last few months. And if you go back to last game when the Lakers played the Clippers, Patrick Beverly was the primary defender on Kawhi Leonard. Pat Bev. And, you know, Bev, I love Bev, but, I mean, come on. Like, let's let's be serious. He's not going to stop Kawhi. The guy who guarded him the second most? Russell Westbrook. So they had two guards checking Kawhi for most of that game. And then after Russ, it was Troy Brown, but he didn't see a whole lot of time. And then after that, no other Laker guarded Kawhi for more than five possessions. LeBron only guarded him for three possessions. So that wasn't their decision. They didn't want to throw LeBron on Kawhi. So I anticipate Kawhi seeing a lot of Jared Vanderbilt tomorrow. It's interesting the way that the Lakers use Vando because he kind of fits in that category of like a four who also serves as a help rim protector. So it'll be interesting to see how they utilize that, they being both the Clippers and the Lakers, because if the Lakers have Vando on Kawhi and he's playing next to AD, who's the five, of course you have AD protecting the rim on Russ downhill drives and Norm downhill drives and Kawhi downhill drives and things like that. But you also have Vando in the mix as well. But if he's now drawn out guarding Kawhi in the mid-range and out towards the three-point line, it does take him a little bit further away from the basket. A lot of times Kawhi is going to have the ball and they're going to be working one-on-one. So it does remove a little bit of what Vando is able to do for the Lakers defense if he is tied up with Kawhi. But that said, he is a great defender and could very well do a great job on Kawhi Leonard. So we'll see what happens, how they approach this. But in the last two meetings against the Clippers, between the Clippers and the Lakers, they had Bev coming out on Kawhi. Now I would anticipate Vando being that option, which is a much better option. But like I said, man, in the same way that nobody really stops AD, nobody can really stop Kawhi either. And he has bad shooting nights like every other star does, and he could very well have one tomorrow. But he is the type of guy that, He's going to get to his spots regardless. He's going to get to his mid-range. He's going to get to his pull-up. He's going to get to the basket. And if he has an off night, it's because he had an off night. So uh, with the way Kawhi's been playing, I think him and AD both have an opportunity to make this a special game where they're going toe for toe. Um, you know, they're 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 going punch for punch. It, it's it's going to be fun. It, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm very much looking forward to it. And then, of course, you got Braun, who who has kind of been taking a backseat offensively to AD, um, especially since he's come back from injury. So while Braun had a huge game against the Clippers last time, I think now with where these two teams are, I kind of anticipate the Lakers playing a little bit more through AD than than through Braun. But, of course, I mean, one of the greatest players ever, if not the greatest player ever, you got to worry about him as well. So before we wrap things up, I wanted to spend most of my time talking about this Lakers game, but I do also want to preview the two games that are going to come after this, and that is a back-to-back with the Portland Trailblazers and the Phoenix Suns. The Portland Trailblazers have already given up on this season, so they should, emphasis on should, be a free win for the Clippers. We will have to wait and see on that. Portland just beat the Timberwolves, so they, they got a bunch of young guys that are out there trying to scrap, trying to you know, prove themselves to the rest of the NBA. 
So you can't take them lightly, but they're not trying to win games right now. So that should be a win. And then Phoenix will have to wait and see, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're resting guys come the last game of the season as well. They're pretty much locked into fourth. Um, by the last day of the season, I anticipate they will be locked into fourth. So I would expect them to be resting guys as well. So if they need to, meaning like if they are needing two wins in order to escape the play-in tournament, the Clippers should have an opportunity to get a couple of dubs, even with that back-to-back. And I say that hesitantly because we have seen the Clippers lose games they should win, but those are two games they should win. And that's just me predicting the way I think those two teams, being Portland and Phoenix, will be approaching those two games. And I've already talked about how I'm not interested in the Clippers trying to duck matchups and lose games on purpose. But if you get to the last game of the season, you're playing Phoenix, and you're not in danger of falling into the play-in, and you can manipulate seeding, okay, then it's a different story. But until we get to that point, win every game that's in front of you. That's where I'm at. That's where the players are at from what I've gleaned. And that's where I think that the mindset should be. So I'm super excited for tomorrow's game. I will be in the building. I will have pregame coverage. I'm headed to the barber at one. So I'm going to be getting my haircut until like two. Dude, I'm going to go straight from the barber to the building. I'm going to head out from downtown Anaheim where I get my haircut. And I'm going to go to downtown LA and get in the building at like three, dude. I'm going to get there mad early. I'm going to catch Russ's pregame. You know, Lord willing, nothing happens that stops that from, you know, me from getting in the building. But uh, yeah, I will be there. I'm super stoked. I'll have coverage, like I said, from like three o'clock until midnight when I finally get out of the building. So stay tuned on Twitter for that. But until next time, you guys, much love and go Clippers.